Hello and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This. I'm your host, Adam Lyons, and today I am joined by a good buddy of mine, Annie. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. How you doing? Very good. Very, very good. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Now, um, what we're going to be talking about is mindset for entrepreneurs, which I know is something that you care a lot about. But um, And it's actually something that both me and my wife have been talking about a lot recently over the last four months. Um, let's dive right into why is, why is mindset something worth thinking about when it comes to the entrepreneurial journey? So that word is... Uh heavily heavily used a bit overused yep right and it's acquired a lot of connotations so let's actually switch up the terminology okay let's substitute that with psychology so the name of the company i founded is called scale with psychology okay and the whole genesis of this business was for years i was working with companies that were funded all the way up to a hundred million dollars as low as a million dollars they had access to the most amazing talent. They had the most amazing market timing and opportunity. They, there was, it was literally built to succeed. Mm-hmm. But often, they ended up getting in their own way. And the cause, pretty much every single time, was the founder's psychology. And over 15 years, I saw all of these patterns emerge that ended up being the main constraint, the main bottleneck in the growth of the business. And pretty much any other variable, no matter how outstanding it was for the business, just could not overcome that primary bottleneck. And so when we think about psychology, I mean, this is all encompassing. This is everything from how a founder leads the business. It's how they make decisions. It's how they allocate their time, the time of their employees. It's how did they choose what to work on? How did they choose what to say no to? It's this all encompassing system that is in their mind that runs every aspect of themselves and their life that literally gives birth to the geometry of the business. Mm -hmm. And those decisions basically create a certain outcome. And the single biggest constraint in optimizing the decisions that result in the nature of a business, how much revenue it does, how much profit it generates, how much impact it makes, it's literally, it comes down to those fundamental decisions. And that comes down to the founder psychology. And so over time, I found that this felt like the highest leverage area to focus on. Mm -hmm. And it started generating absolutely massive results. So in the past eight years, we've run 250 founders through this process. And on average, their business grows about 3.5x in 18 months. And literally, we change nothing about the business. We change nothing about their offers. We change nothing about their team. We just optimize how these founders are wired and how they make decisions. Dude, I, I love this. So what would you say is like the common problems that you see? Oh, so this is really, this is such a good question because um, part of the issue with business is that every founder is basically facing a vast sea of uncertainty. And their brain is basically in a trauma response, in a state of fight or flight because that's what we do when we're faced with the unfamiliar. And 
what their brain is trying to do is basically do whatever it can to collapse this uncertainty into certainty. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to do that is take someone else's model for success. Take someone's business model, take someone's Facebook ad strategy or something like that, you know, um, take something that's worked for someone because it alleviates that discomfort. For sure. And then take that and apply it to, you know, their business. And typically most people's businesses are a copy paste of a variety of these strategies that work for someone else. For sure. And so part of the problem is that at every level of the business, the business actually changes. It's a different business fundamentally. And the founder has to show up completely differently. So what gets someone from zero to let's say six figures is a, that is something completely different than going from six to seven, from seven to eight, and from eight to nine. So at each level, the game completely changes. And that's part of the problem. Founders typically try to leverage the same strategies that got them till that point and just do more of that. So if zero to six was talking to people, um, making sales calls, closing deals, making sales, they try to go from six to seven, which is an orders of magnitude jump, doing more of the same, which rarely scales. And then it's the same thing. They find one channel that works to get to seven figures, but going from seven to eight is going to require more than just increasing sales. You need an entire operational infrastructure leadership team to actually scale decision-making in the business to allow the flow of more revenue, profit, influence, communication, all of that. And if an, if a, if an entrepreneur is stuck at that level and they don't want to be more accountable, they're not organizationally minded, they can't handle the complexity, they can't create the systems, the entropy and the chaos in the business will keep it from scaling and they hit a ceiling. Mm. So it's very, very context dependent. And I think part of the challenge is that as entrepreneurs, we want the certainty of the three-step, five-step process. For sure. <laughs> right? And the other aspect here is that most entrepreneurs build a business that they end up presenting in some way. It's a business that is optimized for certainty, but not optimized for authenticity. I mean, you look like you have a lot of fun in all your businesses. That's right. number one goal. My number one goal in life is to have fun. Every time I see you, you're wearing a shirt that represents your values. Mm-hmm. You're wearing uh, something that represents what you care about, what is fun for you, what you enjoy, mm-hmm. right? And when I see your life, it's very integrated. You pulled aspects of yourself and found ways to represent it in your business, mm-hmm. right? And your business is an extension of who you are. Yes. Often, entrepreneurs build a business that's very fragmented. And they're doing it as a means to an end because, again, Typically, businesses are built to avoid pain and prove a point. There's some survey that most entrepreneurs either had early childhood trauma that they experienced or they had an alcoholic parent. And And some people had both. And some people had both. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) most of these businesses are designed to solve a very different purpose than be a vehicle for an entrepreneur's self-expression keep me busy so I don't inflict trauma on people and avoid alcoholism. Exactly. So, (laughs) but that's a very different path, Mm -hmm. right? That results in a very different kind of business. And so the hard part here is bridging those two worlds and building a business that is an extension of oneself. Mm -hmm. Building a business that 
amplifies oneself and it becomes a vehicle for our own actualization. Yep. And that's a that dude <laughs> awesome. No, I love it. I, I agree with I agree with everything you said. And I think this is actually a, a really key point. You know, I talk about this a lot. Um many entrepreneurs don't want an eight figure business. They like the idea of it, but they don't want it. Like I I know for a fact um that I really enjoy business at the low seven figures. It's fun. And the businesses that I've been in that are like nine figures are unfun. You know, they are very much not the kind of thing that I enjoy. Um, you know, I would much rather be on the wing of a business like that, doing the experimental stuff than sitting down and doing all the paperwork for a nine-figure business. Because that's a very different business. It's a very different job. Most of your time, you're just managing people. You're doing one-on-ones. You're trying to hold people accountable. And that's very different than at the seven figures. You're still the visionary. You can, you know, have a lot of fun. Absolutely. And part of that is a self-awareness to just know who you are and what you want, right? And that's a very hard thing to face. Mm -hmm. And um, part of the problem is that as entrepreneurs, we are so wired to look like we have it all together, that we know, we know everything, we know where we're going, we have the answers, and it's really vulnerable to go back to the drawing board, to go back to the first principles and be like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. What are my top four life goals? Why am I doing this? Right. Because like any structure in the universe, it can be one of two ways. It can be generative or it can be parasitic, mm -hmm. right? A business can be generative. And in the way that you've designed yours, it's super generative. It gives you fun. Yep. It gives you energy. It gives you a sense of purpose. It allows it to be um, a point of connection with your wife, mm -hmm. with your kids. It allows you to build relationships with the kind of people that you want to be closer to. Yep. It becomes a vehicle for you to self-actualize through your learning, mm -hmm. right? In this way, your business is generating energy and contributing that into you. So you gain energy from your business. You gain life force from your business. Mm -hmm. Now, the other model is parasitic. The business is basically a parasite squeezing life force energy from the founder. And the founder is working, you know, the 60, 70 hour weeks. They're stressed all the time, which means they're literally killing themselves. They're thinking about the business all the time, even when they're on vacation. They feel guilty when they need to take time off. Their entire consciousness is focused on getting this thing to grow and stay mm -hmm. alive. They have made decisions that are out of integrity, that are not authentic. And now maybe they've even succeeded, right? Maybe they're hitting eight figures. Maybe they want to scale to nine. Now there's all of these people counting on them. And the business is literally squeezing energy out of them. And we see those people, mm -hmm. right? They have to go home. They need to drink a couple of glasses of wine just to calm down. They maybe take an edible to go to sleep. Their body starts breaking down. And the only way they take time off is when they fall ill or something happens and they are forced to take time off. They're yeah. forced to step away. That's just not sustainable. And when we look at nature, everything in nature is so perfectly designed mathematically Yeah, because it's generative. Everything supports everything else. It operates in this harmony. And when we look at a business, we can actually apply the exact same lens. Because a business is just another entity that operates in the universe. Mm -hmm. It has relationships with everything else. It exists in an environment. Just like you and I, right? If we don't absorb energy from the environment, we're going to perish. Yeah. 
if we don't, if we aren't able to take that energy and metabolize that, feed ourselves and replenish ourselves and basically, you know, give back energy to the environment, we're not operating in harmony. Yeah. But with a business, we can hide a lot of these issues. And usually it's the founder's body that pays the price. It's the founder's relationships that pay the price. And at the end of the day, when you see their relationship with their business, you can see the, the quality of the intention that went into building the business in that relationship. I have this whole body of work which looks at, you know, about attachment styles, right? Yeah, of course. So entrepreneurs also use the same neurocircuitry that we use to relate to kids or our spouses with our business. Okay. So we have a very similar pattern of attaching to the business. We can be avoidant. You know, the, you know the people who are like avoiding certain things, they're procrastinating, they're hesitating. There's a person who needs to be fired. They just can't bring themselves to do it. Or they're very anxious. They're constantly focused on it. Or they're anxious avoidant. And these attachment styles reveal the pattern of relating that we have with this entity that is supposed to contribute life force to us. Mm -hmm. But often, the lack of that harmony creates this cycle where it just siphons energy out of us and we end up in a place that's just not sustainable. Dude, that, that's awesome. I, and, and for anyone listening to this, like this is super profound. Um, just curious, like we've got a live audience here. Have any of you noticed this in your own entrepreneurial journeys? Like I'd love to see like show of hands. It's like, yeah, we've got a few, some, some hand raises in the audience as well, which is, which is key. So if somebody finds themselves in that situation, what do they do? Okay, so the first thing for us to do is actually become aware of the reality, of the truth. So when we operate in truth, we're operating in harmony with the universe. And that happens in a relationship too. So in a relationship, you take two people, there's a few things they're not sharing with each other. They have these ideas, they have these opinions, they have these frustrations and resentments that have been building up. Now, in that relational system, that absence of truth is going to keep that relationship from being in a state of harmony. We all operate in a similar relational system with ourselves and with our business. When there is a lot of stuff that is unacknowledged, when there's stuff we're ignoring, we're avoiding, we're just not facing, that we're not willing to face, it continues to operate in our unconscious. And Carl Jung said, you know, whatever we do not shine the light of awareness on, whatever operates in our unconscious, it'll continue to direct our life and we'll call it fate. So anything that is not in our awareness is actually controlling us and running our life. So step one is always about bringing awareness to what is in our unconscious. And this could be a process, you know, you could sit down with a notepad and just journal. You could journal, how does business feel for me? What is the relationship I have with my business? How stressed do I feel on a daily basis? What do I feel stressed about? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the nature of my relationship with this thing that I'm giving so much of myself to build? Once we get a little closer to the truth about what is the state of this business, what is the state of my relationship with it, then we can start using some, some frameworks to actually understand the harmony or the lack of harmony. So the three core variables in any system like this is A, the founder. So you can think of a triangle. So one node in the triangle is the founder. This is the founder's health. This is the founder's, the level of energy that the founder is experiencing from the business. This could be 
um, the quality of their relationships, just their whole life. The other uh, node in this triangle is the business itself. What is the health of the business? Is this business gaining energy from its environment? As in, is it able to offer a capability that is in demand in the market? To put simply, do people want what we're selling in the form that we're selling it? Yeah, there's, um, there's a, a, a great uh, piece of data that shows something like 94% of businesses fail for one of three reasons. And of the three reasons, the largest reason is you're selling something no month. And it's so simple. It's so simple, but it's too simple. And our egos have a remarkable ability to fool ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, Y Combinator, the largest um, startup accelerator uh -huh. in the world, you know what their one sentence mantra is? Mm. Build something people want. Love it. Love it. Which it's, this is the scale, the biggest scale of entrepreneurship that's happening on this planet. And they boil everything down to one thing, just build something people want. Most of the time, we build something that we think people should want or we want, and then we try to convince someone to buy it. And then we need marketing, <laughs> we need sales, we need all of these devices, which is very energy inefficient to convince someone that they should buy this thing. It's much easier to align with the natural desires of a market and just build the thing that they're dying for. And then they pull it out of us. And when we succeed in doing this with the business, the business gains energy from its environment with a very small input of energy required on the founder and the team's part. Yeah. So one unit of energy produces 10 units in return. Makes sense. So that's the business node. And the business is also, you know, the people in it. So what's the culture? What's the energy of the team? Are they upbeat? Are they passionate? Are they excited about where the business is going? Do they feel connected to the vision? Are they like personally galvanized by the cause? Mm -hmm. Are they like really invested in the mission of this business? Do they align with the values? What is the energy? Is it, are people just like waking up in the morning just so excited to work? And also the things they're working on, are they so aligned with who they are, who they are authentically designed to be mm -hmm. that it's just, the alignment is just rippling when that, or is there a lot of drama? Yeah. Is there a lot of stress? Are people unhappy? Do they feel unmotivated? Do they need a lot of, you know, energy on the founder's part of the leadership team's part to get them to do something, mm -hmm. right? Are we hitting targets? Are we growing year over year? Makes so sense. what is the health of the business? And the third is the customers or the clients. Now, are they winning? That's the third node in the triangle. And just this one simple framework can help us understand the level of harmony in a business system because everything is a system, mm -hmm. right? A relationship is a system. Our mind, our psychology is a system. Um, everything in the universe is a system. The entire universe is a complex system and businesses are a complex adaptive system. So it's complex, which means it is a system composed of subsystems. It's adaptive in that it dynamically adjusts and responds to its environment. The environment's always changing, like the economy, the uh, sentiment in the marketplace, suddenly AI comes and everyone's like AI. So the market's changing, people are changing, the economy is changing. How well is this system adapting to its environment? 
And that's what leadership is, mm-hmm. right? Are we able to make decisions and steer the ship in a way that, and the purpose of any complex adaptive system is to absorb energy. So we are complex systems. And if we can absorb energy, if we can find food, hunt, um, find food and eat it and metabolize that food and get energy, we'll win. Yep. Right? And the ancestors who couldn't do that, they died. Their, gene, their genes didn't get passed on. For sure. There's also reproductive success, which you've gone super deep on. Yeah. And for a business, it's are we able to survive? Are we, do we have something that people want? Are we able to align our skills and capabilities with the desires of the market? Are we able to create a system that can generate a certain unit of value at scale? Mm-hmm. Can we do it repeatedly? Can we do it sustainably? And can we do it with a certain amount of certainty so that people expect that of us? We become known for that. And then finally, the last stage of this game is, can I make it so systematized that someone else can do it? Yeah. Because otherwise, the business is an extension of me and I'm not free. For sure. I'm working now for the thing, which means I can't step away. Yeah. So the ultimate um, level of the game is surrender, which is, can I take all the stuff all the control, all the taking charge, all the directing that got me here. And can I completely walk away from it and take this whole thing, teach someone else to do it, typically a leadership team, and I maybe even a, a new CEO, so that this whole thing that I built is a templatized, systematized process that someone else can run. And now that it's free of me, it actually exponentially increases in value. Because now someone can buy it, someone can extend it. It's a thing unto itself. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's absolutely huge. I mean, you know, I've spent the last eight years on and off doing mergers and acquisitions. And if your business has you as an integral part of it, the business is not worth anything realistically. Like, you have to be able to do that. Dude, yeah, this is uh, this is phenomenal, by the way. Like, And is this something that can be taught? Like, you know, can, or, or to, to put it in the, uh, in the words of Rudyard Kipling, can a leopard change its spots? Yes and no. Okay. So I'm betting my entire, I'm betting this lifetime on that it can be taught. And I think it, it's part of it is it's a transmission. This is less about a cognitive understanding of a concept, more about getting it at such a deep level, typically at the level of the body and the nervous system. And when founders get it, it's like, Mm-hmm. It's it's literally life before getting it and life after. It's a kind of a mini awakening. Nice. Also, people don't change. <laughs> yeah. Right? Fundamentally, people don't like change. Our minds don't like change. Our psychology is built to protect itself from ever changing. Absolutely. We resist change. We resist change because it feels uncomfortable and it feels like a death and it feels like, I don't want to do this. And that's part of the reason why you know, businesses struggle to grow exponentially. It's incremental growth is fine. You know, you just do more of this and more of that. We can produce some growth. But exponential growth requires the founder to become someone completely different. Like, I can get to seven figures by myself, right? I can be a one-person shop. Yep. I can do most of the things. I can systematize enough to, like, get to seven figures. But it's very, it's almost impossible to get to eight figures as a one-man show. Yeah, We need to hire a team. We have to delegate. We have to learn how to hold people accountable. We have to communicate vision. We have to set goals. 
it's a completely different skill set. My brain, if it's not willing to change at that level, is going to do everything it can to sabotage the growth of the business because the next level of the business is very, very, very uncomfortable for me because it's going to expose all the things I'm unwilling to do. It's going to expose all the ways I'm out of integrity with myself. And it's going to expose all the things that I'm really trying to avoid. Dude, I, I got a, a great story here. And I think this is key. Uh, last year, I got called into a company to help turn it around. They were doing about 16 million a year. Uh, but before they brought me on, they dropped to 11. Mm. And that drop was really bad. It was a, a third in gross. So they just were in trouble. And they brought me on to um, act as vice president. Mm. And I turned it around. I picked up sales. We had systems. And um, it, we, we nailed it. I mean, we had it down. And there was a moment, and I knew it, um, the owner of the company turned up 15 minutes late for a meeting. And I was running the meeting. He wasn't there. I ran the meeting. You know, vice president stuff. And he walked in and looked at me like he was going to kill me. And all the numbers were up. Everyone was overperforming. I mean, it, it, I was like, there is no reason for this guy to be upset right now. And I was like, that's the end of this partnership. Like, I'm, I'm gone. And it took about six weeks. Mm. Six weeks later, he got really upset about a scenario that didn't actually happen. Refused to believe that it didn't happen. To the point like, you know, well, I'm going to ignore what this guy said. This guy being somebody who was a, a, a known a uh, person that would use narcotics, um, was yeah. known for fabricating and exaggerating stories. Like, I'm like, yo, you didn't even ask me. You just instantly went into accusation mode. Um, and he's like, well, you're gonna apologize for doing it. And I was like, I didn't do it. Like, I, I can show you evidence. I didn't do this thing. And he's like, yeah, I figured so. And I was like, I, I'm done. And he goes, yeah, I knew you would. Hmm. And I, I, the, when he said, I knew you would, I was like, man, you fabric. This whole thing was the exact thing you needed to get me out of the way so you could come back in. The outcome of that I found out afterwards was the prices in the company had to be slashed by 40%. So they dropped all their prices down to be able to retain customers, wow. uh, which is a, a huge negative. And I, I believe they've turned it around now. I don't know, I'm not in it, but I hope they have. But, and I saw it, I saw it that day and I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen somebody come in and sabotage. I mean, he literally just didn't have to come to work anymore. It was good. Like just sit back and, and I've got this, you know, enjoy the train. But that's also the problem. Yeah, 100%. So I see this all the time. So we talked about trauma, right? Yep. Most entrepreneurs have trauma in their history. Mm -hmm. Part of the issue with trauma is that typically we are used to and very comfortable with chaos mm -hmm. and uncertainty and entropy. So, you know, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of conflict. And I, the first time I tried to kill myself, I was six years old, mm -hmm. tried to jump off the roof of the building. It was just intense. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, their nervous systems are extremely habituated and comfortable in chaos and conflict. Mm -hmm. And typically, they build their business around this design of their nervous system. And they thrive on the chaos. And they thrive on... The, the craziness. And when there isn't a fire, when there isn't a problem, unconsciously they'll create one mm -hmm. because it feeds that part of them that keeps them occupied, that gives them a sense of purpose that they feel comfortable with. When everything is fine, 
when everything is predictable, when everything is stable, mm -hmm. they are actually going absolutely nuts because it's wildly uncomfortable. And that's why a lot of times the founders who can get a company to a certain level have to give way because the person who's going to be the stabilizing force, who's going to systematize everything, who's going to run processes, like manage by, you know, in that way, it, that's a very different brain. That's a very different person, different nervous system. And the founder in this example that you're describing, the there were two things that I picked up on. One, extreme discomfort with uh, peace, yep. stability, and things being okay. Because the second thing is their personal sense of value disappears mm -hmm. because their value comes from being needed. Their value comes from having the say in everything. Their value comes in being right. And their value comes from this sense of importance that they've built the business around. And so because of those two reasons, I see this a lot. Founders are unconsciously sabotaging the growth of that business because A, their nervous system is accustomed to operating in a certain way that's no longer going to work at the next level. Mm -hmm. Or they're unwilling to be less important and be less in control. And the next level of business will threaten that. So if we keep starting fires, if we keep... Starting again. Yeah. Yeah, keep starting over. that's the pattern I've seen time and time again. It's like you get to a point where everything's good and then someone's like, I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I don't like it. It's the same thing every day. And it's like, yeah, but that's where the, that's where the money is. Exactly. That's where the growth is. Exactly. But the minute you hit that point, it's like, okay, how about we change it up, shut right. it down, start again, and you're back at zero. Totally. And, you know, back. Yeah, and it, it is the key. You're right. It's when you get to that monotony. It's funny. Um, I I was uh, I've got a blog post that starts like this. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people critique it, saying they don't like the way it starts. Um, but I I won't change it. Uh, I talk about uh, the zombie movies. Mm. Do you watch zombie films? Yeah, I love them. If you watch any zombie movie, the thing that kills the humans in a zombie movie because zombies are slow. Mm. They're not strong. Mm. Um, they uh they have no major skills. They just slowly walk towards you, right? And then they, and even their biting is like, uh, <laughs> right? Like there's nothing about it. So how do humans lose to zombies? The reason humans lose to zombies almost always is monotony. They're holed up in the supermarket. Everything's great. They've got all the food they could want. They've got weapons. They're safe. And then somebody's like, I miss my dog. And you're like, you know what? You're going to be fine. Don't... No, I got to go and get my dog. It's like, you don't know, like, everything. No, and then they open the door. Boom, all the zombies are inside. Now that isn't safe anymore. Let's get in a car. Now they all get in the car. All right, we're safe in the car. Okay, I got to pee. Not now you don't just hold it. I got to do it right now. Do it in the bucket. No, I can't. I got to do it. Right, and it's always, it's the, the change out of monotony that kills you. Yep. And I, I tell everyone, I'm like, you have to embrace, if it's working, if it's working, you have to embrace monotony. Your business should feel like a chore. It should feel like, oh, here we go again. Oh, and that's good. And then what you do on top of that to make it fun, you work harder than that. You do the next thing that is going to be the exponential growth, the new thing. But you got to keep the monotony going. Totally. Yeah, dude, 100%. So that's the only way. Did you listen to Jeff Bezos' interview on Lex Friedman? No. He... Um, this is just my, what I got from it. That's why he started Blue Origin because, you know, Amazon had reached a level of monotony, 
but it was intelligent. Okay, I'm gonna find the CEO, I'm gonna transition this over. Now I'm gonna give myself a new a new challenge, a yep. new and the thing in what you're saying is and can I share another Please, yeah. So and this is just I look at business a very different way as you can tell. Um because everything is mathematics. Everything. And when we look at business through the lens of mathematics, it's it's fun to me. Um, but it, it makes it reveals everything really beautifully. Mm -hmm. So in any system, there are two forces. This is like the quintessential good and evil, right? The force of good is order. And the force of evil is chaos. So in any system, there's a certain amount of order and there's a certain amount of chaos. So typically in our day, we have a certain amount of order. We wake up, we brush our teeth, we make our bed, we shower, right? Those things, if we do it every single day, it really benefits us. Ideally, we eat clean food, we exercise our bodies, uh, we have these basic rituals, these basic programs we run, and when we do that, we feel stable. So if we travel, for example, my partner and I, we're gonna Bali for a month next week. Very cool. And when we go there, we're gonna run our same template. We're gonna find a gym, we're gonna go work out, we're gonna you know, do certain core things in the business, just like we would here. Mm -hmm. Those things don't change. Those things don't change no matter where we go, what we do, who we're with, except for you know, if there's some sort of exception. And then there's chaos. That's the novelty, that's the newness, that's the, I don't know, we'll, let's go for a walk and see what we find out. We need both. Right, and in a business, yep. we're trying to flatten as much chaos into order. So as a business grows, it should get more boring. It should get more predictable. 100%, yep, it's right? so true. Now the problem is when the entrepreneur is sourcing their need for novelty from the business. And the, the business is getting to the point where we have to under-index on the novelty and over-index on the order, where they were making decisions by gut, maybe now we need to look at data. Maybe now we need to have a meeting because there's four people who have departments and it concerns everyone. Someone can't just cowboy in and just make a decision because they think it's right. Mm -hmm. And the founder is like, oh, obviously unconsciously because, and that's why a lot of this stuff is unconscious and we need to make it conscious to, to reveal what's actually happening. If they keep sourcing novelty from the business, they're going to destroy the business mm -hmm. or they're not going to let the business grow. The smart thing there is to see this and, and say, okay, I need more novelty. So where am I going to source that? So one of my clients, what we came up for him was he was going to learn how to fly planes. So his business hit 25 million last year and said, okay, I'm going to get my pilot's license. So instead of seeking novelty from the business yep. and starting fires and, you know, hiring people and firing people and starting this AI division, no, let's actually intentionally construct a container where I source novelty and every week he would go fly for four hours he would have the time of his life he'd get his fix and then he'd come back and he could actually be the on the founder that the business needed yeah and so in our life we have to balance the equation in terms of how much order we have and how much chaos we have if there's not enough chaos as in not enough novelty we're going to be bored yeah and then we're going to mess things up because we're trying to generate some sort of chaos response from our life. If there's not enough order, we're going to be all over the place. 
There's going to be no structure, no system. There's nothing repeatable. There's nothing consistent. We're just showing up. What am I going to do today? Okay, I'll, I'll work on this. And most of the time, that costs us the predictability, the sustainability, the consistency that's required to actually make, you know, solid progress in a direction. Yeah, and, and I've seen the opposite as well. I've seen people that they've got the solid, they want the novelty, and they stop doing the solid for the novelty. It's not just even the business. They'll just like stop the business completely totally. to do the novelty. Um, and I, I've seen that time and time again as well. And the next thing you know, the whole thing, it's just it's just gone. So, dude, I, I think this is fabulous. Annie, if somebody like wants to work with you, like uh, are you somebody that only works with like $25 million businesses or like, you know, what's the, what's the process? Yeah, so historically it's been seven to nine figure businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you asked a very interesting question. How do you teach this? Yeah. So I was called to bring this to a wider audience. So that's one of my goals for this year and bringing this downstream and packaging this information so that even someone at, you know, five, six figures can actually take and apply some of this Love it. and massively shortcut their bath. So find me at animanian.com, A-N-I-M-A-N-I-N, all the Instagram and YouTube, all those things. And my commitment, nothing like some social accountability yep, to make a commitment, this is, the moment. is to bring this very, um, it's, it's an understanding of how the universe is actually constructed and how it works as applied to business, mm -hmm. right? And this is just one of the businesses where I've applied this. Uh, my partner and I have another business where we're applying this com in a completely different system, which is in the system of relationships. Love it. And we can apply this at every level of our life. We can apply this for business. We can apply this to our health because when we see that pretty much every, um, every structure in our life is a system that can be very easily optimized mm -hmm. and we can break it down to its constituent parts. We can understand the relationships of, of these parts and see what the outcome is being generated and then change the equation to generate a different outcome. It's like living life and doing business on God mode. Love that. It's like, you know, the, the moment in the matrix where Neo realizes that, oh shit, I can, I can do this. Yeah. Right. And that is what having some level of influence over our own psychology really offers. And that's the that's that's what got me into this. And I think that's what pretty much every single person who encounters this body of work, that's what they're most struck by. Where in places where they felt like a victim, they felt like a passenger in their life, at the mercy of all of these forces around them, mm. where they don't have control, they don't have agency, they realize who they are, their their true power mm -hmm. all along. They, and it's this process of actualizing ourselves, being more of who we are. And part of that is stripping away who we're not, mm -hmm. right? The power, the control, the self-sabotage, all the ways in which we get in our own own path. Um, it reveals who we are. It's just like Michelangelo, when he was um, creating the statue of David, he was chiseling it. They asked him, well, how, how did you create such a magnificent piece of work? He said, Oh, I just removed everything that was not David. Yep. Beautiful. So the 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 masterpiece we're looking for in business, in relationships, in health, in any aspect of our life is typically a process of removing what what doesn't belong. And that's much easier. It's you know, multiplication by subtraction. 
rather than addition by addition. Dude, I love that. Guys, round of applause for Annie. Thank you ever so much. And thank you once again for tuning in to Smart Businesses Do This. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit the smartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.